take your Bibles with me tonight to Psalm 42. The title of the message tonight is Desiring God in Times of Distress. I think certain themes in Scripture uh, should be repeated often. And, uh, but we're going to look at this psalm now. This psalm is credited to the, the sons of Korah, but it, it screams of David. It, it seems like uh, a Davidic type uh, uh, song. And, and so I personally think it's, it was David who penned these words. Um, but we're going to unpack these tonight. And, you know, this is going to be very applicable to some in this room tonight, some right now. You're, you're in a season of distress. You just lost a loved one or you're, you, you just got a diagnosis or a, uh, your spouse just left. I, I know of in a room this size, there's people right now in distress. Maybe you've fallen back into an old sinful pattern. Maybe you've, uh, a stronghold has uh, just popped up in your life. I, and maybe you're in distress tonight. You feel distant from God. And this is where the psalmist is in our text tonight. He's feeling distant from God, and, and so we're going to unpack that. Anybody ever been there in your walk with God? It seems like uh, you're, he's distant from you. Anybody ever been there? Anybody ever felt like your prayers were hitting the ceiling? And, and uh, you, that sweet communion we talked about in song tonight, we sang about in song tonight, you don't, you, you don't sense it any longer. Um, this is where the psalmist is in chapter 42. And we're going to begin reading in verse number one. As the deer pants for the water brooks, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When I, when shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while they continually say to me, where is your God? When I remember these things, I pour out my soul within me. For I used to go with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God with the voice of joy and praise with a multitude that kept a pilgrim feast. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God. For I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. O my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of the Jordan and from the heights of Hermon, from the hill of Mizar. Deep calls unto deep at the noise of your waterfalls. All your waves and billows have gone over me. The Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime. And in the night, his song shall be with me. A prayer to the God of my life. I will say to the to God, my rock. Why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a breaking of my bones, my enemies reproach me while they say to me all day long, where is your God? Why are you cast down O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him, the help of my countenance and my God. Oftentimes in the Christian life, we experience seasons like the psalmist, where it seems like everything is unraveling, where it seems like God is distant and he isn't hearing our cries. And in these times of distress, where we turn to is very pivotal. 
The psalmist had no one else to go to. And I would say, if we are all uh, honest, that in certain seasons and certain times of distress, we have nowhere else to turn but to our God. And even when we feel like he's distant, I want to remind somebody tonight at the very beginning of this message is that he will never leave us or forsake us. He is never far away. Now, the psalmist is using this, these illustrations of God being distant here in Psalm 42. But, of course, God is there. He is present. And we can call on him at any moment. And I want to uh, just remind us of who we are in Christ. We are beloved. We are accepted. We are redeemed. We are more than conquerors. We are, uh, we are His. We are His children. And I want you to understand none of you who have children, if your children cried out in distress and we, distress, you would not, uh, do whatever you can to be there to help them. And we know God is us being evil. God is a far better father than we can, we could even comprehend. And, uh, so I want to just, Encourage somebody with that tonight, even though you may feel distant from God, like the psalmist did at this season, God isn't far. So he goes in and he begins this psalm with sharing with us his desire, the psalmist's desire. I want you to see it. He says, as the deer pants for the water brooks, so pants my soul for you, O God. This is a... It's an illustration uh, that is very fitting. As the deer pants for the water, my soul pants after you, God. This is a powerful image. You see, deer often would have to be on the run. They often are running from predators. They often have to, uh, you know, have a flighty type of a life. And they're, they're often uh, in seasons, and, and maybe in this region there was a drought at this time or, or something uh, that, that begs towards this thirst that this uh, this deer uh, had, um, this psalmist is using this powerful illustration to describe what he's feeling in his soul, the thirst that he has for God. I heard Spurgeon put it this way, one may go many days without food. We hear about that often, right? Fasting. <laughs> but thirst is a different thing. You know, you wouldn't live past three days if you didn't drink. It's, it's, it's water is, we are of course 70, I think 70% water and, and thirst. Have you ever been so thirsty where all you can think about is to get that next drink? All you can think about is when am I gonna be able to be refreshed? And out here in the desert, you know, we get dry. <laughs> we get, you know, we always have to keep those big thermal flasks and, you know, out here in this desert, Ever since I moved to this desert when I was 13, I've been ashy ever since. It's so dry. We, we, <laughs> I remember spending about a, a month in, in, in the south and, you know, out in the south, it's humid and, you know, I didn't have to put on lotion for about a month. I was just instantly, you know, moisturized. But it's something when you're thirsty and this is what the psalmist is speaking to his thirst. For God, he was thirsty for God. His desire at this season was for nothing more than God. My soul, it thirsts for you. It pants after you. That word pant, it means like, I've got to have 
you, God. I'm desperate for you. I am in a, I am, I am in a need. I'm in distress for you. And this is what he's saying. And, you know, we are living in a desperate time in this nation's history. And it, and I, it begs the question, are we desperate for God? Are we desperate for him to show up? Are we desperate for revival? Are we desperate for his presence? And are we thirsting after him? Or do we just want things to go back to how it was in 2019? <laughs> we want things to go back to how it was in the good old days. And is that what we've, we've glamorized, you know, what things were before? And the truth is, hey, this world will never really be our home. This wickedness was... <laughs> has always been on the earth and and we're just honestly as believers we're pilgrims here and uh so I want to ask you the, this question and I had to ask myself this question tonight uh to uh, this week as I study for it am I thirsty for God has there been seasons in my life where I was more thirsty for God for him <clears throat> not for what he's going to do for him I've learned this, when he becomes the treasure of our hearts, then we have satisfaction when we have him. And I've said this so many times, but if, if when he is the treasure of our life, there's no one who could take him from us. There's no circumstance that uh, will come in between him and I. And, and I'm telling you, this is where I think a lot of Christians, and, and we get off, uh, we get off and we go down the road that leads to a lot of disappointment is when we, we place our hope, we, we place our desires on other things more than we would put it on our God. And, and I want to just, just, uh, just remind us tonight that it is our calling as Christians to love the Lord our God with all of our soul. With all of our heart and with all of our mind, every part of our being, our love for God should be so far greater than anything else in our lives that it is apparent to anybody who comes near us who we love the most. I tell you guys all the time how I, I, I tell my children often how I love their mother more than them. And every time they get offended, they get in their feelings. And they, they often say, one in particular, she says, you hate us, don't you? No, but my love for your mother is far greater than my love for you. And so the way that she views this is, uh, you, you can't love her more. And, but I'm telling you this, Jesus used the illustration that your love for God should, make, should be so strong that it looks like you dislike other things and, in comparison. And I want to just park it here for a minute. This is where I think... This is where we we miss it at times. Our desire for God, it wanes. We fill it with other meaningless pursuits, trivial things that won't outlast us. Entertainment. We are entertained up to the hilt. We don't take time to muse on God. We don't take time to think about who he is, his character, his greatness. We, our minds are so bombarded with so many other pursuits that I think... Uh, we, we view God in such a, a, a minuscule way. But the psalmist here, he's in a time of distress. We're going to see in just a moment. But his desire is in the right place. His desire is, is, is healthy. This is a healthy hunger. This is a, a, a good place to be when you are desiring God, when you uh, want more of him and your soul is 
thirsting after him. Look what he says. My soul, verse number two, my soul thirsts for God. You see, he didn't want ease. He didn't want comfort. He didn't want God to give him all the sweetest of all luxuries in the world. What he wanted, the psalmist at this time, more than anything else, was communion with God. The enjoyment, and I'm telling you, any one of us who have experienced God, we know that everything else pales in comparison. I promise you, God had to bring me back to the desert to show me the sweetness of his presence. I was in a church uh, last Sunday, uh, and uh, it was a it was a formal church. It was a, it was a big church, and and all the bells and whistles. But I'm telling you, the presence of God was not in that place. It wasn't the sweet, uh, you know, aroma of the Holy Spirit. I'm telling you, every time, and I'm not tooting our home. We're nothing special here, but for the grace of God. And I'm thankful that every time that I come uh, to Westside Christian Fellowship and we start worshiping, we start going to this altar, we start pressing in that God, he meets us here. There's an intangible here. We hear it all the time. I talked to a man today who drove, who's been driving down from Los Angeles. You heard our, our preacher on KKLA. And he's been coming down every week and he's thirsty for more of God. He's going to be uh, working with some people to help him get rid of some strongholds. And, and I'm telling you, he's like, I don't care how much I have to drive. I'm just so thankful for what God is doing in my life. I'm experiencing God. I'm telling you, I had dead formalism. I had... I had uh, <laughs> Systematic theology, I, I studied Greek, I, I read books, I, I learned how to have a three-point sermon and to have it, uh, you know, uh, outlined correctly. I, I understood, I memorized scripture, but I'm telling you, I was not filled with the Spirit of God. I didn't have a desire for God and His presence. I was not a worshiper. Uh, let's get through the worship so we can get to the Word. And it made me prideful and hard and arrogant and critical. And I'm telling you, I was heading towards uh, destruction. And I want to tell somebody tonight, I know you've heard this a million times, uh, but what you might need tonight is to ask God for that fresh filling of His Spirit, for that hunger to return, for that appetite for Him to be uh, what is the driving force of our lives. Are you thirsty for God? Does your soul thirst for God, for the living God? Listen to that. The living God. Our God is the living God. All other gods are but dumb idols. All other gods are but false gods. But we serve the one true living God. He and Him alone has life within Him. He alone gives life, eternal life. I'm telling you, He is the only true living God. And this is what the psalmist is uh, pointing out. I thirst not for the gods of the heathens, not for the the the, the benefits of, of the idol worshipers. No, I, I thirst for the living God. He's alive tonight, and he wants a relationship with us. He's just looking for those whose heart is, is, in, is seeking him. God knows tonight who's, who's seeking him, who's pursuing him, who's in love with him, who's thirsty for his presence. And this is what the psalmist is saying his thirst wasn't after water, but his thirst was after God. 
And often throughout Scripture, water is equated to the Holy Spirit of God, the uh, God uh, uh, in His presence. And what men, what we need most is more of God. That's what we need most. You think your problem is your, your wife. You think your problem is your job, that your supervisor. You think your problem is you don't have enough money. You think you fill in the blank. But what my problem is and your problem is is that he needs to increase in our lives. I've learned this. When I am filled with the Spirit, and we're leaky vessels, so we, none of us stay filled, right? I, I leave out here, one of you cut me off, and I'm, I'm mad. Oftentimes, I go pick my kids up and get a bad report. Instantly, I'm mad. <laughs> I'm just being, let's be transparent, right? Let's be real. And, um, but what we need is more of the Spirit of God. If we would acknowledge our needs and seek after Him in that way with desperation, we would see more of his hand in our life. The problem is, a lot of us, we've become content to live apart from his presence, apart from his power. You're okay to come in here week after week and be unchanged. To fall at the same temptation. To be powerless in the face of spiritual warfare. Hey, I want to tell the fathers in here tonight, there's spirit, you may think everything is smooth in your home, but there's spiritual warfare raging. The devil's coming after your wife, coming after your kids. And while we're sitting on the lazy boy, not seeking God in his presence and, and, and leading our family in that, he's having a field day. And we're content to live apart from the presence of God. The psalmist here, <laughs> he had no appetite, no other appetite at this time, literally. I want you to see it. He says, when shall I come and appear before God? So I believe right in this season we're going to see later on in, in the text that he's, he's some distance away from, from his hometown. He's, he's, he's not near where he can go to worship with his fellow believers. And so he, uh, he's yearning for, for coming back into the, the, the fellowship with the, with his other, uh, believers into the presence of the temple or the tabernacle, whatever it might be. And, um, how, do you feel, when you miss church, do you feel it? I feel it. I mean, do you, do you feel like something's missing? Do you feel like you just want to get with your, your brothers and sisters before God? And there's something to this. And this is what he's, I think lamenting that he can't go to church, that he can't be with those who love the Lord as well. In verse number three, he says, my tears have been my food day and night. So he said, I, I've been crying, I've been weeping, I've been broken, and, and it's been my food. I haven't even had an appetite. See, when someone's desperate... It changes things. The appetite is shifted. And uh, I've gotten the call from a mom whose, whose teen is running away from home and they, and they can't find her. She's not, at, she's not in the drive-thru line at In-N-Out. <laughs> she's desperate. She's, she's seeking God. 
And I'm telling you, it's hard. I'm not going to sit here in front. Like, it's hard. When things are going well, it is very hard to, to have that hunger for God. When, when the bank account is full and when everybody's healthy and, and you're going on vacation, and that's all great. That's, that's all a blessing from God. I'm not bemoaning that. But it is hard for us to, to have that desperation for God in those seasons. And so we've got to, uh, we've got to acknowledge that and go to God and say, God, you know, You've been so good, and, and because of your blessing, sometimes I think it's drawing me away from you, Lord. And, and God, I don't want any of this to have me. I, I want you to have my heart. There's nothing wrong with having things, but there's a problem when things have us and distract us from God and appetites. And this is why it's so important to have spiritual disciplines in our lives. Because what we talk about often here and what you know we all struggle with with appetites, king stomach, and other things of this nature, it's not just a, a trivial thing. You understand that if you, if you give in, if I give in in one area, it could draw me away from God. And when I compromise in, in one area, that makes it easier for me to compromise in others. We can't compartmentalize when it comes to our walk with God. This is why we have to listen to the whole counsel of the Word of God. And be uh, striving to be disciples. And what does that look like in our lives? That, that means we are disciplined through the Spirit's power. That means that we aren't, uh, we aren't easily distracted through the pleasures of this world. I've seen it throughout history. When you read about the Christians, the, the men and women who God have done mighty works through them, these were people who <laughs> they chose... To seek God rather than the, the, the pleasures of this life more. And um, I just want to encourage us with that. This, this psalmist, his desires at this point was for God and for God alone. He, he wanted God to show up in his situation. He wanted God to, to his presence more than anything. He was not content to live without him. And there are those who tried to discourage him in his season of distress. Look what it says at the uh, end of verse 3. While they continually say to me, where is your God? (laughs) Haters show up, right? When things get difficult. And um, where is your God is what they were doing. They were trying to discourage the psalmist. They were trying to make the problem worse. Be careful who you keep company with. So be honest. Understand that not everybody in your circle are there because they are for you. I had to learn that lesson. Very difficult lesson to learn. Hurtful lesson. It's 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 painful when you you experience betrayal, where you experience uh, being hurt by someone who you love and you you you've had in your circle, and and so. The, the psalmist is very aware of this. He, he saw these discouraging ones and it, it got to him. It got to him. So, so we see the psalmist's desire. He's thirsting for God. Tonight, let me ask you, do you have a hunger for God? Do you have a hunger for his word? Do you have a hunger for fellowship with believers? Do you have a healthy hunger uh, for worship? Do you have a hunger for, for God, his presence? And if we don't, let's ask God to help us to, to 
fill us up again. But I want you to see, secondly, tonight, the psalmist and his discouragement. Now, I want you to know, discouragement is something that's common to every one of us. Hey, I think oftentimes what makes a lot of pastors uh, step out of the ministry is discouragement. We get discouraged. We, we, get, we, we get discouraged. Let me just be transparent with you guys for a moment. We get discouraged when we see people who are so close to, to, to experiencing God, so close to having him restore their marriage and their, I mean, so close and we see them fall back into the old life. We see them fall off the bandwagon. We see them no longer in their place. I said something the other day. I just um, want to reiterate, guys. One of the best ways that we can encourage our pastor, the one of the best and most simple ways that you can uh, be uh, an encouragement is to be in your place, is to be here. I know our pastor, when he sees, when he's looking out in this crowd, he's better than me. He sees everybody. And he'll text me, hey, where is so-and-so? <laughs> Have you seen them in a while? And he's always reaching out and he's always thinking about you guys. And um, he's a shepherd. And I'm telling you, a good shepherd, he he's going to care for the sheep. He's going to have a connection. And I know some people, well, he didn't show up to my baby shower or he didn't do this. <laughs> he could not. He can't. It's not possible. <laughs> I'm just telling you, we, we, we just cannot be there. I try to, to go to things when I can, you know. But I want you to know that we love you. And we're not just saying that. We pray for you. And um, it matters to us how you're doing, how your family's doing, how your children are doing. And I want you to know that you guys encourage us. As I, as I was sharing with you guys earlier, just, you know, how you guys are an encouragement to, to us. And, and just want to encourage you guys with this because we all have things in our life that's going to discourage us. I know there's people in the room tonight, you're in a difficult marriage. You're in, you've got prodigals. You, you know, you're, you're going through financial distress. You're going through something that in your life is discouraging. We all have something in our life that's going to discourage us. But I want you to see what the psalmist does with his discouragement. Look at verse number four. He says, when I remember these things, I pour out my soul within me. For I used to go with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God with the voice of joy and praise with a multitude that kept a pilgrim's feast. I want you to see the psalmist, what he does here, what I see that he's doing is he's revisiting better times. Anybody been in a a difficult season and then you you have to remember, you know, just better times where God was, you know, doing more as far as, in your your eyes anyway, uh, where things were better or or you're revisiting uh, different Seasons, and this is what this psalmist is doing. He's remembering the goodness of God. He's remembering when he would go with the multitudes to the house of God. He's remembering the joy he had and the praise that he offered up at the feast. And he's remembering that fellowship. And he's focusing on this for a moment. It's giving him, uh, I think, a break from uh, mourning about whatever it is that he's going through from the discouragement. And I want to tell you this. 
the Bible often tells us to remember. To remember what God has done. Remember where he's brought you from. Some of you think right now, you know, uh, you're, you're really going through it, and you may be. But I promise you, if you look back on where God has brought you through, where, what he's done in the past, all of his goodness and his mercy in our lives, I promise you, you won't stay discouraged. I promise you, when you recount, uh, there's an old hymn we used to sing in seminary, is count your blessings. Name the one, some of you, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Count your blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. And I believe this is what the psalmist is doing here. He's remembering better times, he's counting his blessings, and then what we're going to see, he's going to refocus on God. Look, he says to himself, verse number five, why are you cast down on my soul? Why are you cast down on my soul, and why are you disquieted within me, hope in God? Hope in God. Listen, he, he refocuses on God. You know, oftentimes when we're discouraged or depressed, if we begin to look at our circumstances at the moment, if we begin to wallow in self-pity, if we begin to just stay there, it just gets worse, right? But when we refocus and we look to God, when we look at his goodness, when we look at who he is and what he's promised and what he's already fulfilled, I promise you, you will be encouraged. We have to sometimes intentionally within ourselves refocus on God. He said, why am I, why is my soul cast down? Why am I disquieted? He said, hope in God. He's preaching to himself. Hey, you know, some of the best sermons I ever preached is it to you guys. To me. <laughs> Anybody else have to encourage yourself in the Lord from time to time? David, we know David, he went through a lot. And I think about the time when his family was taken and by the Amalekites and, and, and his mighty men were talking about killing him when they saw that all their children and their wives were taken. And the Bible says that David encouraged himself in the Lord. <laughs> that Right there, in the midst of ruin, when your family's been kidnapped, you don't know if they're alive or, or not, he encouraged himself in the Lord. And then, after he encouraged himself in the Lord, he went to the Lord in prayer and says, should we pursue? He didn't act, he didn't re react, he responded spiritually, and God said, yes, go, and you will recover all. And do you know that that minor setback, well, it wasn't a minor setback, that's a major setback. But do you know that setback propelled David into, uh, eventually, into his role, and his wealth was, was, I think, quadrupled from that circumstance. And I'm not saying that maybe you're, you might be in a trial right now, you might be going, I'm not saying that on the other end of that is, is you know, <laughs> Manifold blessings. I don't know. Sometimes God has a different plan. Sometimes he brings difficulty in our life to purge us of our sinful patterns. And, and I just want to say to someone today, though, uh, don't stay in discouragement. Refocus and look to God. Ask God to reveal, is, is this something that I am causing? Is this something that uh, I need to learn from, of course? Because God has a plan in that, and I want you to just understand that when we look to God, He will encourage us. He will be our hope. He goes on. 
He says, hope in God. Hope in God. Where's your hope tonight? I hope it's not in the stock market. I hope it's not in your 401k. Hope it's not in real estate. I hope it's not in, I'm telling you, I hope it's not in that, in that job. We see layoffs and lay, I'm telling you, our hope has to be in God. It has to be in God. Amen? And I love what he says next. He says, I, for ye, I shall yet praise him. I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. He said, I'm going to still praise him. I'm going to praise him right now, even though I don't feel like it. You know how many times I come in here, I don't feel like it, but when I just praise him, <laughs> something shifts in my attitude and the atmosphere, and it's just beautiful how God, he, he meets with those who determine that our feelings won't be our, our, our compass. It won't lead us. Our feelings are great, right? It's always fun when we're, we're just on fire. We're feeling it. Everything is, you know, peaches and cream. It's, it's great, right? But I'm telling you, that isn't how life is all the time. So when we're not feeling it, we should still yet praise him. We should still give him the honor and the glory and the praise that is due to his name. And this is what the psalmist is saying. I'm going to praise him. He's pinning this psalm in the midst of this. He's writing songs to God. I'm telling you, uh, some of us, we need to learn how uh, in the season, in the difficulty, how to praise him, how to sing a new song to God. Uh, how many of you guys have been there where I love it when, when God would just put a, a song in my heart for the day and I know that's what I need to be rehearsing. I know that's what I need to be singing. I know that's where I'm going to uh, experience him in the difficult times. I want to just encourage somebody to refocus tonight on God, to hope in God and to praise him for who he is. <laughs> he goes on, he says in verse, he says, for the help of his countenance. Listen to this, the help of his countenance. Now the countenance Speaking of, of 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 his likeness, his, his our God, we know is he's light, he's 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 beauty. He's he says for the help that comes from his countenance. When the face, often in scripture we see it uh, illustrated that when God's face is towards us, there's hope, there's peace, there's joy that comes from him and his presence. And I just want to tell somebody tonight. I don't know what you're going through, but hope in God, because his help is not far. And his face shines on those who, who love him, who are for him, who in spite of how they're feeling and what they're going through, they're going to praise him. And that's the truth of the word of God. He goes on, he says, oh God, my soul is cast down within me. He's going to rehearse that he's down. He's, his soul is cast down. Therefore, I will remember, remember this, I will remember you from the land of the Jordan and from the heights of Hermon and from the hill of Mizar. He, he's away, I think, in proximity, away from uh, his home. But he said, I'm going to remember you, Lord. I'm going to remember you no matter where I am. I'm going to remember you and I'm going to hope in you. He says, verse number seven, deep calls unto deep. At the noise of your waterfalls, all your waves and billows have gone over me. So he uses this illustration of deep calls unto deep. I remember we were in New York a few years back and we visited, I don't think it was Niagara Falls, but it was, it might have been Niagara Falls, I can't remember, but it was a waterfall that was so loud. It was deafening. 
and you see the water coming from down and you see the water bubbling up from below. And this is the, the illustration he's saying, God, uh, you and, and your waterfalls, you are like a, a waterfall that deep comes out to deep in the waves. You have overwhelmed me. You're all over me, God. I, I, am, I am claiming this even though right now my soul is down in distress. You are a consuming God. You're going to uh, call unto me from the deep. You're going to f- fill me up. I'm telling you, he's going to take our cup, our cup like this, and he's going to pour a waterfall through it. <laughs> When you believe on him, when your hope is in him, I'm telling you, this is what your cup will overflow. And this is what that is speaking to. Deep calls unto deep the noise of your waterfall. He says, the Lord, verse number eight, the Lord will command his loving kindness. Isn't our God rich in mercy and loving kindness and grace? He says he's going to command his loving kindness in the daytime, and in the night his song shall be with me. See, he's focusing on God now and what God is going to do and how uh, he will be his song in the nighttime and, and how he will, uh, will, will meet everything that this man is uh, needing. He says, a prayer to God uh, of my life, to the God of my life. He's focusing on God. If you don't get anything else from this sermon tonight, I want to just point you to God, point you to our Lord. Look to him. Don't look to man. Men are going to disappoint you. Circumstances are going to change. Look to God. You will never be disappointed. Y'all believe that? I've been serving him for a while, and he's never disappointed me yet. I know there's people in here who have been saved longer than I've been alive who can testify the same. But God is faithful. He's good. Even in the difficult seasons, he refocuses on God. He continues in that prayer, verse number 9, I will say to God, my rock, he's going to revisit, he's going to call out to God, why have you forgotten me? Of course we know God doesn't forget anyone. Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a breaking of my bones, my enemy reproached me while they say all the day long, where is your God? So once again, he speaks to the fact that there are those around him who is mocking God, who is saying, where is he? And that his enemies are just trying to discourage him. And and he feels at this moment forgotten. And I'm thankful that we can be transparent with God. We can be real with God. We can we can bring our mess to God. <laughs> we can we can bring our depression. Hey, hey, you can bring your anxiety to God. You can bring your depression. You can bring your disappointment to God. You can bring it all to God. He can handle it. You know what I'm saying? The, the big push in our generation is now, you know, the need for more mental health, uh, you know, care. Hey, for I, I, I think for Christians, we have that covered if we go to God. Hey. <laughs> when God is your hope, right? Maybe I'm just naive. Maybe I'm just a little foolish. But when God is my hope, I'm not anxious about nothing. When God is my hope, I could be depressed at times, but God won't leave me there. If I press in, He's gonna He's gonna show up, and I'm just I'm not I'm not saying that we're not gonna have seasons. I'm not saying that depression isn't real. I'm not saying. 
that discouragement isn't real. We see men and women in the scripture who were depressed. We see mighty men. I think about Elijah. I was thinking about it this week. How after, oftentimes after mountaintop victories, after a Mount Carmel where he saw the fire of God fall and he killed 800 prophets of Baal, soon after that we find him discouraged, hiding. And, and that's depressed, honestly. Because God knows our frame. He knows that we are but frail, dirt, <laughs> and that we, we are often like this, right? But that's why he's our rock. He's our foundation. Hey, I want to encourage you tonight to hope in God again. If your situation right now is distressing, hope in God. Focus on him. He can do in a moment what we could never do in a lifetime. <laughs> I've seen it. I've lived it. And I want to just encourage somebody with this tonight. Look what he says. He says, once again, why are you, verse 11, why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God again. For I shall yet praise him, the help of my countenance and my God. He says, I'm going to praise you, God. Even while I'm cast down, why Why am I disquieted? And I, don't, I know who you are. I'm going to hope in you. I'm going to praise you still. I want to tell somebody and I praise him. Praise him still. Things may look down in jury. Praise him still. Be encouraged tonight. You are a child of God. Your father loves you. He has a plan for your life. He's going to bring you to an expected end, as the Bible says. I love that verse. It reminds me that, hey, what happens in between, just like when Jesus was on the boat with the disciples and the storms came, and they got fearful, right? They got disquieted. And Jesus said, He's, he's sleeping in the boat because he knows where it's going to end. <laughs> there may be turbulence. You ever been on a plane and you felt that turbulence? And I've been there. But I'm telling you, we can trust our Heavenly Father. We can trust Jesus. He has promised that we will end. That at the end of it all, even though we may suffer, even though there may be difficulty, He has promised that at the end, we will be with Him. I want to tell you that. Like, my hope isn't in living, uh, you know, a life without any trials here. My hope is heaven. That when I'm done here, whenever God calls me home, I'm going to be in, in the perfect place, in his presence, because of what Jesus has done for me. And that's where my hope is. This is why Christians throughout the ages were willing to go to, this, to be burned at the stake, to... to <laughs> You know, to be mauled by lions, and and we 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 hear of the accounts of the peace of God, how God even gives grace for those who are going to be martyred for Him. He gives them peace in the flames. I'm telling you, hey, God is going to be who He has promised to be for you and for me. And so tonight, I want to encourage y'all with that. Do you thirst for the Lord? If that thirst has been not where it should be tonight. You can come to the altar and say, God, I don't want to seek you like I once sought you. 
I don't have the hunger. I'm, the, your word isn't alive in my life. I, I, I don't really want to worship. I, I'll get to church when I can, but I, Lord, I'm not where I should be. And I think if we're all honest, we're not where we should be. But Lord, please bring that thirst, that hunger for you once again. And if you're in distress tonight, hope in God. That's the words. Hope in God. You're distressed. Hope in God. You say, is it that simple, Pastor? Yes. 